Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. This is Internet Marketing. to you by Site Visibility at sitevisibility.com. This is Internet Marketing, and today I'm drawn by Jonathan Gabay, author of Brand Psychology, Consumer Perceptions, Corporate Reputations. Hello, Jonathan. Hello. Uh, Jonathan, uh, first and foremost, tell us a little bit about yourself, then we'll go on to the book. Well, um, I've uh, been creative director of various agencies. I was creative group head for diet marketing at Saatchi & Saatchi. I've written 14 books. I'm endorsed by the Chart Institute of Marketing. And most importantly of all, I am a Thunderbirds fan. <laughs> so you're into Jerry Anderson? Oh, absolutely. I actually looked at the uh, new, you know, they've, they've actually remade it, actually, uh, for TV. Uh, not bad. Not bad. But I preferred the wooden puppets. But that's my only thing. Well, that was the whole thing. We're showing our age now, actually, aren't we? Yeah, I think we are, actually. <laughs> but I did love Thunderbirds. The, the movie they brought out was absolutely rubbish, one about five or six or years ago. Yeah, yeah. But anyway, move on, move on. Anyway, moving on from Thunderbirds, uh, let's, let's talk a little bit about the book. Now, there's one area that I want to drill down into, but we'll, we'll save that until you've given us like a, an overview of generally what the book is about. Okay, well, generally then, what the book's about. Over the years, I've been working with really, really big uh, brands such as EMC, Sun Microsystems, Oracle, and so on and so forth. And it's always been about measuring metrics, uh, you know, how many people click, how many people don't click, when do they click, and all that sort of idea. And the problem is, is I, I, I began to realize that um, more and more people are being led by these mechanical, if you wish, processes, um, rather than human processes which is why I have always been interested in this brand psychology point of view. Mm. So I took a, um, a, an MA in, um, in psychotherapy, and I realized um, that they, sometimes people are clicking or not clicking because of reasons which have got absolutely nothing to do with any current uh, metrics uh, or, or, or ways of, of measuring these metrics. So. Um, that's what made me start thinking, well, what is it really about? And we go back to um, Schumann psychology. After all, social media, uh, we've always had social media. Uh, around a campfire, we've had social media. And I think that people, what's happened now is that people are thinking, well, um, it's about the technology that leads to social media. Mm. Whereas I say, wrong, completely wrong, it's social media that leads to technology. Mm. from a human point of view 
That's fascinating. There's a particular area of the book that stuck in my mind, uh, which I think you've mm. called uh, disinhib. I get that. Disinhibitation is that right? Disinhibitation. Have I got the wording right there? No, disinhibition. Disinhibition. Dis- disinhibition. You're like, yeah, you're, like <laughs> you're like even though I wrote the book, the first time I spoke about it, I got that tongue twisted <laughs> as well. <laughs> But that's what it's actually called. That's the psychological uh, term for it, yeah. The reason it really struck a chord with me is because, like, it's one of those things where you kind of, you notice something in life, but you never really stop and quantify it and really think about it. And I suppose we've all witnessed or experienced people and how they behave differently when they're sort of behind the sort of cloak of the internet, because they're a bit sort of, um, they're a bit sort of more difficult to trace. So people behave differently and i found that whole area really quite fascinating i'd like to drill down into that if if i mm. can just give us an overview of, of of what it's sort of talking about well what it's talking about uh with online disinhibition <laughs> we've got it there yeah disinhibition um, is um what it talks about is how people sometimes no no i'm going to go beyond that actually often they they write things online um which they don't truly feel for example um there's a general election coming up in uh, the uk yeah and what people may say on a survey to a political party and how they will actually vote could be complete opposites and it's an interesting thing so why is that and i think a lot of it to be i mean to, to summarize hoping in a couple of sentences I think a lot of it is because it's what other people, what, what they feel that other people would want them to say and what they feel they would like to convey themselves as in front of these other people. Mm. Um, and a good example was of this in the United Kingdom um, was a Jeremy Clarkson story. Oh, yeah. Where I, I'm sure everyone or, or, or your listeners have heard about this Jeremy Clarkson thing mm. where, you know, you've got over a million uh, people online um, who were saying, you know, uh, we must save Jeremy Clarkson. And what's interesting about that is that a week later, everyone was starting to say, well, not everyone, but the majority was starting to say, uh, because of what the BBC had said, mm. um, ah, well, actually, uh, we, should, we shouldn't have people like Clarkson around. And it's all because, uh, part of it, not all of it, part of it is because people are kind of, it's in a way, how can I put it, it's like riding the bandwagon. It's like, ah, yeah. well, my peers are saying this. But it's sheep, so isn't it? Following wanna, sheep. Yeah, that's right. It's a bit, it's, it is like following sheep. It's, uh, but it's more than following sheep. It's, it's, it's a, um, look, I'm going to put it a different way. You know, when people take a selfie, I was, um, I was um, at my niece's uh, birthday party, okay? She's uh, nine years old and mm. uh, they had, and she had all her friends around and, and all that sort of yeah, usual stuff. Anyway, and I noticed there at the birthday party that um, with all these kids, what they did is that they had their um, their phones and they were taking selfies. And so they were taking selfies of, uh, you know, two of them together, three of them together, whatever it might be. But they were always taking these selfies. And I was, and it occurred to me then that what's happening here is that these selfies are not really about selfies about you and the person in the picture. The selfies are about, you in your own mind how you want yourself to be perceived yeah. so if the uh, person if the kid is with a gang of another you know a kid who's into whatever it might be that they're into then they say oh look yes i'm part of that as well so it's much more that's going on here on a psychological point of view than just hey let's have a bit of fun and have a selfie yeah 
it's interesting stuff. I mean, it brings you, you know, it draws you rather closer and closer to what is really going on here. And what's really going on here is, um, I think you can go back to Freud, actually. Now, a lot of people in psychotherapy and studying psychotherapy will say, well, you know, Freud's ideas are a bit old hat and actually have been proven wrong. And indeed, a lot of them have been proven wrong. But that said, there was there, there's still some interesting things, uh, analogies and parallels that we can take with Freud and, and online stuff. When Freud uh, invent, well, I don't know what word is invented or created or named what was called the talking therapy. Mm. The whole idea of it was that someone would um, famously lie on a couch and Freud, he was not next to them. He was actually behind them so they couldn't yeah. see him. Yeah. Now, the whole point of this was that they could speak freely without being intimidated and they could say whatever they wanted to say. And I think those are the roots of online disinhibition. And you talk about, uh, so that you sort of break this down into two areas, that you the benign and the wonderful word, this iffy phallic. Oh, yes. <laughs> Which um, pertains to a, a thing that blokes have in its sort of um, ready state. I think that's the most delicate way I can put that. I think so. I think so. I think, uh, yes, absolutely. What, what, um, so the, the, the iffy phallic um, one is about... Uh, can I put it delicately, as you said? Um, <laughs> it's about showing off. It's yeah. about saying, look, look at me. me. Look at me. Yeah. Uh, I'm the alpha person, if you want. You know, mm. that kind of idea. That's a, a mild way of putting it. And so um, in that one, what's happening is that they're leading the way in terms of their opinions on the Internet. And it's really interesting, this, that if you look at, people, uh, at people's comments on the Internet, sometimes it's actually the minorities' comments that actually get the biggest kind of uh, responses. So it's um, because they're stirring it up. Yeah. Um, And so uh, that is in a kind of a way indicative of that kind of a person who's there saying, look at me, I want you to look at me. It's all about me. And it's all about what I think that's important. And I'll tell you what, what I think is important is completely contrary to what, what most other people think. And so that starts the conversation. Because, mm. I mean, once people start following that person, yeah, then you get into what you were talking about, which was herd behavior and stuff like that. Mm. But you get this person who, who initially, or this group, that initially starts, you know, pushing it a bit, and then it starts growing from, from there. I used to teach um, at the Charter Institute of Marketing. I used to teach, one of the courses I used to teach was um, viral marketing. And with viral marketing, one of the stories of viral marketing was the story of um, Hush Puppy Shoes. Yeah. And Hush Puppy Shoes, what happened there? I mean, that's really going back a long time. Um, but the, the, the story of Hush Puppy Shoes was that um, some kids in um, a, a part of New York, they started wearing these different types of shoes. Uh, so they were the minority. Yeah. And then what happened was that other people say, hey, that's cool because that's different. And so you then get into the usual um, product life cycle where you get, you know, innovators, laggards and all the usual stuff. And so it starts with those people, the phallic people, and then it goes into herd behavior. So how can online marketers sort of plug into this or ride the wave of this sort of natural uh, human tendency to behave when they're sort of looking at things online? The first thing to do, and I would advise this really very strongly, uh, I mean, after 30 years of being in the business, I would advise this really, I, that's why I'm, I'm repeating it. It, it, it is important. Mm-hmm. 
stop producing campaigns, which are just led by this mechanical software way of doing things, because that is not what's really going on in people's minds. And thank goodness for that, because um, as I said before, and I've explained it now, that people do things, save things, publish things, which are published for reasons which are not necessarily going to be reflected in any kind of big data kind of um, uh, tracking device. Hmm. So um, I would say it's time now to start thinking about big data from the, from the point of view of the biggest brain of all, and that is the human mind. Hmm. Um, and, and we are not doing this at the moment. We're just going by, oh, well, it's the overwhelming numbers. And so if the overwhelming numbers are saying something, uh, then that must be true. But clearly, it's been proven time and time and time and time again that this is not. Now, I, know, I understand a lot of marketers today, like everybody else in a lot of professions, are worried about their jobs and they're worried about being uh, measured and so on and so forth. And so what they're using big data for is to say, um, well, here is the tracking. Look, we've got so many people that were were uh, going onto this Facebook page or that tweet or whatever it might be, but actually, what's happening is it's not proving anything whatsoever. Um, they um, and um, and so really, fact, funny enough, in a way, that in itself is an example of disinhibition. Inhibition. Mm. It's it's doing. It's saying, okay, well, here the facts are proving it, so it must be right uh, because my peers say it must be right. But actually, it's completely wrong. Now, let's, um, let's talk about some examples. I know you've got an interesting story about um, Apple and these new smartwatches, haven't you? Yeah. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. It's interesting. Now, Apple, um, it looks like to all, all indications show that Apple's changing slightly, slightly the way that they're selling. Mm. So their selling model, um, it used to be a lot of it 
was relying on um, what I call the Apple Cathedral of um, devotion, which were the which are sorry the Apple stores. So you go into the Apple Cathedral and you pay your respects to the deity that is uh, uh, Steve Jobs and all the rest of it. Mm. Um, now the thing is, is uh, what's happening now is that with the um, new Apple Watch, they have started. Um, pushing forward pre-orders for this watch before it's, you know, actually in the, in the actual Apple store itself. In fact, we know that even um, eight months prior to the event, or maybe slightly more, actually, I can't remember, eight or nine months, something like that, mm. uh, we, we had the first peak at the watch. And nobody at that point was thinking, well, why are they showing us a peak, a peak at the watch now? Because usually with Apple, you know what Apple's like, they make a big hullabaloo about, you know, a new phone or whatever it might be, and then they launch it, and everyone wonders what it's going to be. And then within a week or whatever it might be, it's in the Apple uh, Cathedral. Now, this time, though, it's all been online. It's all been about building up expectations online, but selling it online. So what happens now is that it's not just about touching and feeling it, although it will be out there. And indeed, a lot of Apple stores um, are putting in uh, displays which are just for the watch. But in addition to that, it's about people talking about it uh, and saying to people, ah, I have already pre-ordered my watch because I'm ahead of the uh, the technological curve and stuff like that. Yeah. And so we go back to uh, what I was saying before, which is, you know, reflecting what you think other people are going to uh, think about you. So uh, it's it's a bit like this. It's a bit like this. I'll, I'll give you a, a different way of looking at this. Mm. Let's go away from the internet for a second, and I'll tell you a true story. Um, as a brand journalist, because I, I, uh, a lot of um, uh, uh, magazines and so on and so forth asked me to write for them, I get invited, like I guess you do, um, to um, uh, press launches and all the rest of it. And most of the time, I can't be bothered to go. Mm. However, there was once a time that Armani invited me to some launch of something or other, and it was in London near Knightsbridge. And I thought, between you and me and, 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 your, and your listeners, so let's not spread it any, anywhere else, okay? Keep yeah. this to the family. But I thought I'll go along because I might get a free tie out of them. <laughs> you know, they give these good goodie bags. So anyway, so I went along. I listened to a boring speech about, well, to be honest, you can't even remember what it was about. All I was thinking of, what's going to be in that press goodie bag? I got the goodie bag, and in it was some boring brochure, a bag looked very nice, had some rope on it instead of uh, for a handle and stuff like that. Yeah. But no tie, no perfume, no nothing. And I thought, you know, what a swizz. So anyway, I went around the corner. I, was, I had nothing to do for 20 minutes. I went around the corner and I went to Howard's uh, because that was around the corner where that place was. Anyway, so I'm looking in Howard's and I go and just look around and, um, and I thought to myself, this is a really great place because everyone, all the salespeople were very attentive to me. Yeah. And they were saying, you know, how are you? Good morning, sir. And, da, da, da. and I thought, you know, maybe, you know, from a branding point of view, this is, this is really what Howard's, why they've got such a great name. Anyway, six months later, I was in the area again, um, wanted to kill 20 minutes or so. So I just did a bit more, if you like, uh, window shopping sort of thing in Howard's. So I went back 
exactly the same department. And I kind of recognized the salespeople there. Didn't recognize me, of course, but I kind of recognized the salespeople there. But this time, nobody approached me at all. And the only difference between this time and the former time was that in the former time, I was, I was carrying that Armani bag, uh. Uh, shopping bag. <laughs> and this time, this time, I was carrying a Sainsbury's bag. <laughs> So what's happening here is that it's saying from a branding point of view, uh, even the shopping bag, okay, mm. it's saying this is who I am, this is where I, where I, you know, the brand I, I invest in, but it's also saying stories to myself. It's saying this is who I want you to think I am. And it's also saying this is what I want to be. And so all of these sorts of things come into play when it comes to this idea of people acting, reacting, and, um, and dealing online. So there's more to it than being led by a dumb computer, however it is looking at the metrics. It is time, it really is time, to start looking at the cognitive web rather than just big data. Yeah, so I, I guess when we're online, we need to have the online version of an Amani bag. Yeah, you're right. you know you are absolutely right. And and in the online version of the Amani bag, going back to the um, Apple Watch, for some people will be, hey, look at me, I've got all the Apple stuff. Yeah. yeah. Um, or another one. Look, here's another one. Last night, my brother-in-law uh, usually lives in Los um, Angeles. Anyway. Last night, he's flying back today, funnily enough. But anyway, last night, we went over there for dinner to uh, my mother-in-law's. And, um, and he was saying to me, hey, are you a Star Wars fan? Hmm. And I said, well, you know, take it, leave it. And he said, well, look at this. And so he started showing me all these um, uh, clips of the, um, of the future Star Wars film that's coming out okay, at the end of the year. And the thing is, is that you had their clips also of other fans who had made their own preview of this film, even though no one's actually seen the film yet. And it was about who could get more unofficial pieces of footage in their previews of the film than somebody else. Mm. So in other words, the story that they were saying is, I'm a bigger and therefore, and here comes a big A word, and this is really important, I'm a bigger and therefore more authentic fan than you are. So yeah. people are looking for this idea of, of, of authenticity and for other people to say, yeah, he, she, they, this group, this is the real thing. Because people, because, because we're living in, a, in an overpopulated uh, planet, people are looking, and it's getting increasingly worse, uh, people are looking for some type of identity, some type of meaning, some type of purpose, and they're looking for the tools that show other people and indeed themselves, as I was talking about, you know, it's also talking to yourself, uh, um, that you are, that they are authentic. And that's why so many things, I mean, going even wider than this, I mean, I, I mean, seeing that we're just shooting the breeze here a little bit, but going even wider than this, that's why I believe from a psychology point of view, you have such an increase in fundamentalism as well, because people are looking for ways to say to themselves, Look, I, I can see what's going on in the world. Job prospects aren't what they were. The housing prospects aren't what they were, and so on and so forth. And I need something that I can hook onto that gives me a sense of purpose, 
and authenticity. Now, whatever, whether I agree with that, their purpose or authenticity is irrelevant to this argument. What, it, it, what is relevant, though, is that it is uh, something that is happening today and that unless we as brands, we as a society, we as a culture understand this human psyche, I'm afraid it's going to get even worse. Well, on that lovely high note, <laughs> let's just summarise if we can, because we need to, marketers, online marketers need to um, be aware of this sort of shift in the psyche, if you like. I mean, just in summary, how what should we be doing to uh, market yeah. in the right way for, for this? Well, to answer that, I'm going to go back to 2007. In 2007, there was a book that came out, which was called The Black Swan, not to be confused with the movie, which is a great movie, mm. uh, but it has absolutely nothing to do with that. And it was by a professor called Nassim Nicholas Taleb. Yes. And what he did is that he looked at why people make decisions. Yeah. Mm. He looked at uh, making decisions from the point of view of doing all your, um, all your uh, calculations, opinion polls, software, whatever it might be, yeah, so that you're going to make the right decision. So in other words, all this big data kind of stuff, although this was a, a, pre- a prelude to big data as we understand it today. Mm. All right. Now, what's really interesting about Taleb, and he studied this all his life, this kind of area, is that he found in most cases – that when people, right, who had experience of whatever the subject was, you've got to have experience of the subject, but when people who had experience of the subject, when they went by their gut feeling as opposed to what the computer says or whatever, uh, in uh, most cases, their gut feeling was right mm-hmm. and the official metrics were wrong. Okay. Now, that is really interesting It's time for us, I think it's time for marketers, it's time for businesses to say, yes, okay, we'll look at the big data, but let's also also give ourselves a little bit of credit in terms of common sense, and let's do things in terms of a human instinct. Otherwise, what happens is that you get what's happening uh, in the last two years in Hollywood is that you get every film that comes out, because one film of a genre such as superheroes, right, mm. uh, was successful. It's just like every single film that comes out is now a superhero film because the metric said, oh, well, the audiences went to see that. Uh, and so what happens is that you're being ruled by the computer rather than the computer following your lead. And when that happens, we've got bigger problems in terms of metrics. We've got problems which have got to do with the matrix, but that's a completely different <laughs> uh, uh, conversation. The matrix versus the metrics. Absolutely. Um, well, Jonathan, thanks so much for joining us and telling us, uh, talking us through your book. So let's uh, finish off. Tell us a little bit about uh, how can people find your book and a little bit about how they can follow you online. Okay, well, they can find the book. It's called Brand psychology by me jonathan by g-a-b-a-y uh you can find it i'm sure at amazon and all the usual places like that um and in terms of uh, following me i'm jonathan goodbye at twitter.com uh, at twitter rather sorry and um you can also find me at jonathan goodbye and if you want to find more about the actual book itself get some clips about interesting bits and bobs to do with the uh, book mm-hmm. including hopefully i'll be putting your clip on here on on there as well so that i'll be pushing you uh, as well um, Thank it's you. going to be on um uh, brandunderstanding.com if you go to brandunderstanding.com you'll find um 
uh, uh, more links to uh, the show over there. Thank you very much, Jonathan. And thank you to our listeners for listening. Uh, you can find the show notes as usual at sitevisibility.com forward slash podcast. Uh, don't forget, we're on iTunes and Stitcher. If you want to leave a review, that would be great. Uh, two ways you can contact us. The email is podcast at sitevisibility.co.uk and we have a telephone hotline, plus four four one two seven three two five six one five zero. So that's all from me, Andy, and it's all from Jonathan. Bye. Yeah, take care. And we'll see you next time on Internet Marketing. deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.